millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. G'day and welcome to Runners Only with Dom Harvey, proudly brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up, JJ Feeney. I still love you. Like, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're my best mate. Oh, same. Uh, I feel like I was a terrible husband <laughs> at the no, time. I, I was just so zoned in on work. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even have to answer that. That's me making a statement. It's not fishing for compliments. You were a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I may be a little bit biased, but JJ Feeney is, in my opinion, the undisputed queen of music radio in New Zealand. She started the radio station The Edge and grew it into the massive brand that it remains to this very day. And she currently hosts one of New Zealand's most listened to afternoon shows on the radio station, More FM. On top of that, she's the author of two books and has won too many New Zealand radio awards to count. With the introduction and accolades out of the way, I need to front foot this and say it's, a, it's quite a strange episode, this one, just because of the intensely personal nature of it. I genuinely cannot imagine I will ever record a podcast that is as raw, as emotive, and as vulnerable as this one is. The reason being the personal relationship. Some of you may know this, some of you may not, but JJ and I got married in 2004. We separated about five years ago, but remain very, very close. Because of this relationship, we know everything about one another and had the ability to touch upon some very serious stuff. Because of that, a trigger warning I feel is needed. This podcast episode does discuss family violence, sexual abuse, infertility, IVF, depression, and suicide. If you listen to this and you need some professional help in New Zealand, you can call or text 1737 free of charge to talk to a trained counsellor. That number again for free call or text, 1737. I should say, though, this podcast also includes a lot of very light moments, too, as we zoom in on some of JJ's many career highlights. Thanks to Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode. Check them out at radix, R-A-D-I-X, dot co dot N-Z. And adding to their popular protein ranges, they have just launched a new range of breakfasts, which are incredible. Strawberry, banana, coconut, vanilla, mixed berry, apple and cinnamon, and chocolate, these are super simple and super healthy. They are filling, and did I mention they taste insane? You can pour it into a bowl, or if you're a savage like me, just pour the water straight into the bag it comes in and consume it that way. By the way, you heard that right, water. Just cold water from the tap, straight in the bag, and you've got a ready-to-eat, delicious, freeze-dried breakfast. It's incredible. That website again, radix.co.nz, R-A-D-I-X.co.nz. All right, let's get into it. JJ Feeney. On Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Hey, Runners Only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only, yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey, and 
<laughs> Why am I so nervous? <laughs> JJ, JJ, JJ Feeney, hello. <laughs> this is the weirdest podcast I've ever done in my life. It's weird that you're interviewing me. Well, you're interviewing me. That's just strange. Well, I haven't. We know um, each other too well. It's like, how can you interview someone you know so well? I haven't, I haven't got any questions or written any notes. I, I started to, and then I thought, you, well, you're just going to like, you're just going to take over and <laughs> overrun things. So why bother? I think so. Oh, okay, who pulled out? <laughs> Duncan Garner. What? Did he? Duncan, you yeah. should be here, not me. So but- you're, you're a last minute ringing, but to be fair, um, I get messages. Every week without fail, people saying, when is JJ going to be on the podcast? Are you serious? Every week without what? fail. But I'm not a runner. Why would, <laughs> well, why would anyone want to okay, well, me? Okay, we, well, we will. Okay, so for anyone that um, isn't aware of um, the dynamic of our relationship, um, JJ and I, uh, well, I was going to say, we, 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 yeah, we, <laughs> we were a couple. We are still legally married. And uh, yeah. I would say, welcome to my podcast studio, but it's half your podcast studio as well. That's true, isn't it? We have a very strange relationship to other people. Yeah. We are still... Like business partners, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're still married legally and and own half of everything together. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. Whatever whatever works. Works for you. Yeah. And the dog's my favourite. He's I'm his favourite, I mean. Oh, yeah. Let's see how long he lasts there. No, he wants to get down, so I'll put him down now. So um, the podcast is called Runners Only, so there is like a running thread that runs. I need to explain this to you because I reckon you've li- you listened to the first couple of episodes and that's it, be yeah, honest. I haven't hardly listened to any of it. Yeah, rude. I support you from the outside. <laughs> um, you do have a running history. You, you identify as a non-exerciser. Uh, JJ's been getting obsessed lately with um, Ancestry.com and she did a, like a gene test thing. And a, what, You're a non-exerciser? I did, well, we've both had our DNA done with Ancestry.com and it's amazing because they've just released a new thing called Traits where they you know, like, they know I've got blue eyes and I've got blonde hair. They know I'm not a morning person. They also say I don't have the sprinter gene, but you've got the sprinter gene. And it makes perfect sense because nobody in my family that I know of, none of my siblings on either side, my mum, my dad, none of them have ever exercised. But you can, just you not can change into, that. I wasn't, I wasn't brought up on exercise. It was never a family where it was like, go for a run, let's go for a bike ride together, go play sport. It was like none of that. So it's just not in the family. I just don't have the gene. Yeah, but Obviously, in, science says. And saying that, um, <laughs> you have done a couple of half marathons, which is no mean feat to a lot of – like running 21Ks is no joke. And you've done a couple – what was your best time? Two hours 17. Which is – that's fine. That's yeah. fucking great. I just jogged. That's like, good going. Two hours 18 was my first one, and then I kind of chopped a minute off because I didn't <laughs> want to exhaust myself. I, I ran the whole way, but I just jogged like in the even pace just so I could keep – so I didn't get uh, exhausted and run out of breath. When I first crossed the finish line after the first half marathon, I just burst into tears. Because <laughs> you felt so like – Full of pride? Yeah, like, oh my, I can't believe I did that. Mm. I still can't believe to this day. It wasn't actually too hard to train for, I remember. But I don't know. You you have to you have to want to do it. And at that time, I guess I wanted to do it. But at the moment, I don't want to do it. And <laughs> <laughs> but the, the older you get, the harder it is to begin. Yes, I know. So why don't you... At the moment, you're on Jenny Craig. You're trying to lose weight. Yeah, I've lost five kilos in five weeks, which has been easy. Six weeks. 
running, not so fun. So yeah, but the, the like the weight that you've lost by having these ridiculous, tiny, expensive little portions—they're not expensive. <laughs> they are, they are tiny though, aren't they? <laughs> well, you <laughs> can beef it so up with small. salad. <laughs> um, but you would lose weight so much faster, and you would feel so much better mentally if you mm. combined a bit of exercise as well. Mm. I just want you to know that what you've been witnessing right here is what I've went through my whole marriage from Dom. He's an exercise bully. He spends all his day trying to convince me to exercise. And this is the speech he gives me every time. And I, my eyes just glaze over. <laughs> oh, God. I, I um, Yeah, you, you're, you're very tolerant. I don't know how you lasted with me for so long. Like, I, I was looking back at some photos the other day. There's... um. There's a, a show on Apple Plus called The Reluctant Traveller with uh, Eugene Levy. Oh, and, so good. And one of the episodes, he goes to Venice. And um, I, I got a bit, um, I suppose, nostalgic thinking about – I've been to Venice once and we went at the same time, like about 10 years ago. Well, we went together. Yeah. So yeah. I, I went, went back over my phone looking at some old photos of that trip to Venice. And there's photos of me like up at six in the morning running around the canals of Venice. So we were on holiday and we'd go out for dinner and stuff. Then I'd get up the next morning and go for a run. That must have, um, that must have been awful travelling with me. Every single time we go to a new place with Dom, the first thing he does is goes for a 10 or 20k run, and that's his way of seeing the city. And that's fine. I get it. Okay, that's fine. That's great for you. But not for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I, get the, I get the seeing the city, city thing. That would be good. But I don't know. Runners just have that thing, and I don't have it. Mm. So I'd rather just meander around the city. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, that's fair enough. God, I am. Um, this is the. I'm getting hot. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where to start with this. It's like it's hard to know how much we focus on the dynamic of our relationship, which there's a lot of curiosity about, and how much we just focus on the JJ story. Well, when so maybe, people ask you to have me on your podcast, why do they say why? They never specify. Oh, cool. I suppose um, they just like hearing us together. <laughs> we did. We did. We, that's. A, Jeez, I was thinking about this overnight. Um, I woke up and I was just thinking about how how we structure this podcast and, and how, how I do it. And it just filled me up with guilt and shame. Just There's so, so much stuff that I feel bad about. <laughs> like, we, we worked together for so many years. Mm. And um, I, I took it so seriously. <laughs> and uh, and you're, you're, I look back now and you're the, the best person I've worked with and the easiest person to work with. And I was so hard to work with. I took it so seriously. Are you crying? <laughs> Maybe getting a little bit. Te- am I getting teary? <laughs> you hardly ever cried. It took like eleven yeah, years yeah, yeah, before yeah. you even cried in a relationship. Mm. And you're emotional now. Look, you're not. You're not that. Well, you- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just wanted to be successful so badly. I mm. think I prioritised work at the expense of everything else. You did. You did, but... <laughs> that was your chance to say no, no. No, but I get it because I know how much, how important work is and how 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 important radio is and was, you know, to you because radio's not like, you know, it's not like a normal job. It's like you live it. It does consume you and, you know, you live your life on the radio and all that stuff. So I understand that, but... You, the thing about you is you want to win. You're passionate and you're very good at what you do and you want to win, but you want to win so badly that sometimes you weren't willing to 
make let let people make mistakes to get there. I was a control freak. So yeah, yeah. you were a little bit hard on other people, which I found <laughs> well, not me because I would just tell you to fuck off. <laughs> Oh, Dougie, can we get some tissues in here, please? Uh, no, no, that's all right. No, what? you're upset. I don't like seeing you upset. No, no. no, Dom. No, we're all right. But it's totally fine. Like, I enjoyed working with you because I, <laughs> I felt relaxed around you. I could be honest with you. And you can't be honest with everybody that you work with. Yeah. The only other co-host I've had where I can be that honest is Flinny, who I have now. And we're pretty honest with each other. Um, I mean, obviously, not 100%, but um, with you. Oh. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Um, but you can't hate someone for wanting to do the best. Yeah. And you were the best. Like, you're genius. Your mind is genius. You're so creative. You're so clever. I just admire that you could come up with an idea like this and it's outside the box. Mm. And, you know, you're you're a massive reason why The Edge succeeded. Um, and, you know, it's without, you know, after, after you, le- after you left, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the same. No, it's not the but, same. But no, but then you, 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 you take a break from this, um, this industry that you love and then you realize I put everything I had into this thing, which no one gives a shit about. Like when you take a step back from it, you realize like when you're in there, it feels like you're like part of the All Blacks or something, and everyone <laughs> cares. And then you take a break. I don't. I can't tell you when the ratings come out. Oh, I used to like have sleepless nights before the radio ratings came out. Anyway, this is not. This is not. Um, <laughs> this is your podcast, not mine. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Um, well. Okay. Yeah. What. No, I just think you beat yourself up now yeah. as well, and yeah. you shouldn't. And this is the thing about you, is you do, you beat yourself up so much that I think it st- sometimes can stop you from succeeding further because you're, you're so much better than you think you are. You, you, and that's, it's, it's not a bad thing. Like, you, you are so passionate and want to, want to do so well, and you do do well. But I feel like sometimes you just need to relax a little bit and let, let things take a natural course and trust other people and trust <laughs> what other people say. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, look at you. You're doing fine. You're doing yeah. absolutely fine. You're one of the top bloody broadcasters in New Zealand, without a doubt. And I'm not – just because I'm married to you, people will go, oh, you're just saying that because, you know, you're biased. But, I mean, the reason why I was attracted to you in the first place as well was because you were very – uh, successful way back then in the nineties, <laughs> and I love that about you. I love that that you were um, so determined, passionate, ambitious, uh, successful. I love that. That was that's the sort of thing that I'm attracted to, and you know that, that's always been you. That is you. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind. And your podcast is doing amazing, even though I don't listen to every episode. <laughs> I know it's doing so yeah. well. I see the rankings. I know how hard you work. I know how much you care about it. And I'm just, a, you know, you have some amazing guests and they open up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sometimes they cry in the sleep, but today it's <laughs> That's you. the host. Um, all right. So let's talk about the JJ Feeney story. There's okay. probably a lot of people that don't know about you, but um, like – how, how much do you want to talk about about your early years and your upbringing? Oh God, it's you, boring. You, you're um, it feels kind of strange doing this interview because I I know you so well. I know you know you intimately, and I know, I know how successful you've been and just how how yeah, rough a start you had in life. Mm. Um, 
but to me, like you're a, a shining beacon of hope for people that are going through shit that you can pull yourself out of it. Granted, like you are the black sheep of your family and the respect that, you know, everyone else has like repeated the cycle. There's been teen yeah. pregnancy, there's been crime, there's yeah. been all that. Yeah. Um, but you, you're the most like honest and I think hardworking person that I know. And it's like, we talked about the gene thing earlier, but it's, <laughs> you're like a throwback in some way. Like how, how did you do it? Why did you choose to t- take the right path instead of the wrong path when all of your other siblings kind of took the wrong path or let their past hold them back? I think there's something in people. Uh, you either fall, I feel like some of my siblings fell victim to the cycle and they would just they just gave up early on. Ugh, this is my life. Woe is me. And they just continued it and they felt like victims rather than um, having any control over their own destiny. Whereas me, I was opposite. I thought, oh, when I grow up, I don't want this life. I need to get out of this life. I need to... I don't want to be like this. I need to help my mum. I need to um, be, you know, work hard, get a good job. So I guess there was that me wanting to fight against the cycle. So when I grew up, my mum was... Um, this is just backstory for you who's watching. I hate talking about it. My mum was a teenage mum, so she was 15 when she got pregnant with me. And um, it was... She, my mum would hate this, but it was to a, a one-night stand. And I only found out who this guy was like 11 years ago, by the way. So um, mum met this guy... Gary Feeney and he um, when she was pregnant with me and he his name's on my birth certificate and then they had another two kids Michael and Michelle um, and then they split up and mum's only like eight, 19 or 20 at this point um, and she's a single mum with three kids at 20 <laughs> and so there was never any money she was on the benefit there was never any money and then she met another guy and he was, like, horrifically abusive. And, um, yeah, he he was violent, like, really terrible. Like, would even harm animals and just a horrible person. <sighs> and he was he sexually abused me, which I only told mum about about ten years ago. Yeah, how old were you when this started? Six. And he's never he's never paid for it, eh? I mean, no. karma's got him in a lot of ways. But in some ways, he's an absolute he's an absolute fucking mm. loser. He's an I, absolute loser. I, I I know, and knowing you the way I do, like I know the impact it's had, and and other areas of your life that people would just like scratch their head and not understand. For example, like the smell of wheat bix. Oh, yeah. And um, things that remind me of him. Like, meatloaf's music. Yeah, and people whistling. Things that remind me of him make me just absolutely shudder. Like, I hate people whistling around me. Oh, God. But anyway, regardless. Oh, do you need tissues now? Yeah, he was a horrible person. Yeah. And um, my mum, he beat my mum so much. And. We went. We ran to women's refuges, and we stayed in women's refuges quite a lot. Um, there was this one time. So, mum had a baby to him, so she had four kids by the age of twenty-two. There was one time he beat her, and mum went to go to a friend's house, and she said, "I can take you, but I can't take all four of your children." 
And so I was at school and my, and my sister Jamie was a baby. And mum said um, to my dad, the one on my birth certificate, um, can you take the two middle ones? Because I, you know, I need to go and stay with a friend. And he's supposedly, this is a story I know anyway, uh, supposedly he said he couldn't have them. So mum had no choice but to put them in a home overnight, like a kid's home. Mm. And my dad lost the plot. And he went and picked them up the next morning. But from there, he told them, and they're only three, two and three, four years old, he told them that their mum abandoned them. and So they grew up thinking, oh, mum abandoned us and didn't care about us, even though they'd still come and stay in the school holidays and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and even though they both lived with mum later on, like before, around ten, teenage years, so I don't know. But they had this in their head. So as young kids, they felt already abandoned and unloved or whatever and grew up with this sort of mentality. And meanwhile, me and my sister, we were just... Well, my sister probably doesn't remember much. Mum, mum left my the guy who beat us when I was about 11. Thank God. Thank God. But the damage was already done with me. But I had thought, um, I'm never going to live... I'm never going to let anyone treat me like that. Because I was always saying to mum, I'm only a little kid, but I'm saying, mum, mum, don't go back. Don't go back. But he would beg her, and he even tried it with us. He made me cry. He would he would beg me, and he'd give us presents, and he'd say, please, please, you know. He was just horrible. Manipulating. Very, very mm. manipulating. Um, anyway, so he, it's never, I've never, like, I've never gone to court or anything like that. This, it's just too hard to prove, so... There's no way I would bother. He's lucky he's got away with it, but apparently he's done it to other kids, which is typical. Because I think Didn't if you're a pedophile, you're a pedophile, aren't you? Didn't he get a hiding like with a baseball bat after he was a peeping Tom over? Yeah, he was yeah. looking in some kids' windows, and some. Oof. this is his story, he was looking in the window. But him, there must be more to it because the father of the kids he was looking at came out and beat him with a baseball bat. But he, he, he That's karma in a way, isn't it? But in still a way. He lives in a caravan enough. park somewhere. Yeah. Probably molesting other kids, which is really unfortunate. But um, why, why did you never like, tell your mum at the time? Or because I nearly, nearly told my teacher when I was about seven. I nearly did, but I didn't know what to say, and I thought that I'd get in trouble. And that's that's the that's the thinking of a little kid. Like I remember it now so clearly, but at the time I didn't have the mental the mental maturity that I have now. So you feel so, guilty like you've done something wrong. Yeah, you've you brought like it on yourself. Yeah, that's your fault or because you don't understand really what's happening. Mm. And you think if I if I say anything he's going to hurt my mum. And that was what I really thought he's going to hurt my mum. And so I never said anything and I just kept it quiet and then the longer I left it the more I thought oh I can't tell anyone now because I've left it too long I've left it too long I've left it too long. Anyway, it started really affecting me um as late late teens when when you start having relationships with people it started affecting me because I realized how uh the, just the impact it had on you that yeah, you weren't aware of yeah, yeah. like just scared to mm. um even now I don't like talking about my feelings much and uh, I can be uh what's the word I'm not like I'm quite I can be quite awkward when it comes to sex right and so, why are you asking me? Oh. <laughs> that wasn't a question. Jesse, I just feel really, um, I feel dirty a lot. Mm. Anyway, so 
I don't really, I've never really talked about that in depth. Anywho, um, what I was saying is we had a bit of a rough childhood. <laughs> and I always thought that's not going to be me. But unfortunately, my brother and sister, uh, they, you know, my brother got into trouble. He's been in and out of prison his whole life. He thinks no one cares about him. We did care. <laughs> we don't now because he's so meth head. So forget that. And he just causes too much trouble and he's always in and out of prison. My sister, she's tried really hard, but she hangs out with a bad crowd and she's had four kids by the time she was 22 as well and all to different people and never had any money and you know, it's just and a couple of my other siblings and similar, similar, similar but not not entirely the same it's just, it's just I don't know <sighs> you probably edit a lot of that out. The no, point is no, the point I is, so. I just did not want to live that life. So mm. I don't know if something in me decided to give, give me that ambition and determination mm. to live a better life when I grew up. Mm. And so, yeah, I worked hard to get a job and and what I always wanted to do was look after my mum. And so I did buy an apartment with you that um, she lives in rent-free, which has really been like a life goal of mine. I'm really lucky to have been able to do it. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's the nicest thing, isn't it? And she, um, and she's very, very, she's a very proud woman. Mm, she doesn't. So she like doesn't. She, I, you get the feeling she, like, she loves it. She loves living rent free in a central oh, city apartment. But she can't afford not to. She's on the pension. It's bloody ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But she's, um, she's not expectant. If anything, she's probably a bit embarrassed about it. So oh, she tries yeah. to like compensate in other ways by adding value to your life. My mum does not accept anything. I can't give her anything or pay for anything. I lie to her sometimes. I'll go, Mom, I got this for free. <laughs> because she won't accept it otherwise. And sometimes I want to do nice things for her. But, yeah, anyway. Mm. And I, I feel like what you've talked about the last 10 minutes, this is you um, at the core as a person. And it, um, you, I feel like you get a hard rap online. Like whenever there's a story about you on <laughs> New Zealand Herald or Staff or Instagram, there's comments usually from other women saying, I can't stand that woman. <laughs> Which is like just completely unfair because the, like the JJ I know, like the, the real person, it's completely not true. And if any, any, anyone that knows you, like actually knows you, likes you and knows you're the most honest and hardworking and caring and compassionate person there is. <laughs> I know because I have a cynical, I have a cynical and sort of sarcastic sense of humour mm. and not everyone gets it. Like, I, 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 is, <laughs> is it a consequence from just putting yourself out there as well? I think yeah. so. It's to protect myself, I think. Yeah. So um, I think I can come across as sassy to uh, people who don't know me because they know people that know me know that's my sense of humour. Yeah. People who don't know me might take it a bit literally. Yeah. So um, I mean, when you're in the public eye, everyone gets everyone gets the negative comments. I don't even really care. I don't care. It's like, well, you don't know me, so I'm not your friend. You're not my friend. Whatever. You can say what you want about me. It doesn't matter. I I know who I am. I know. Um, you can't please everybody, and um, you know, it just it literally means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good way to be because they're not people that know you. You don't know them; they don't know you. So, why would you put, put so much weight on their opinion? But it's hard not to do. It is hard to get to that point where you don't do that. I don't know. Does Kim Kardashian care when I'm saying to someone, <laughs> oh, no, no. "Oh my god, that girl! She's had so much plastic surgery." Yeah. Like, does it? Does she care? No, she doesn't give a fuck because. Yeah. Why should she? She doesn't even know me, and I don't even know her. She might be the coolest person ever. Mm. You know, like we all judge people that we don't know. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> you, you don't like everyone yourself, so why yeah. would you expect everyone exactly. to like you? I don't, I don't need people to like me to feel good about myself. Yeah, but you need – and I think this is the trap I found fell into for, from doing radio for years and years and years. Like, it's important to be liked. So you almost become well, yeah. obsessed with being liked. Your whole value <sighs> – your whole employment status is based on you being liked. That's the thing about, yes, so our job in the media, you need people to like you and love you and follow you and you need more and more people to do that. So, yes, that is true. So I would never want, but I would never want a listener or someone to say those bad things about me, but these, these strangers that are saying shit about me on social media, they're not even listeners, so... I'm not losing anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good you know, point. I'm not making them listen yeah. to me. Like I have enough people following me that 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 like me. That's enough for me to sustain my career. Yeah, if, if you've got like a seven percent market share in radio, that's enough. So you can have yeah. ninety three out of a hundred people hating yeah. your guts as long as the seven percent like you. Yeah. So why why radio? Why did you gravitate towards radio? Was this a high school thing? I think when I was a kid, I've always been like quite a performer and, you know, when mum would have all her friends around and I'd always come out and tell them jokes and stuff and I always just loved getting a kick out of them laughing at my jokes. Looking back, I was probably a real pesty little kid. But, um... <laughs> Everyone drives away, oh, kids should be seen and not heard. That JJ. <laughs> I, know, I was a real show pony. I, you know, had so much confidence and I always thought I want to be an entertainer of some kind but because I couldn't sing... I thought, oh, um, it wasn't until I, I was, I used to listen to the radio when I was about five or six and think, how do I, how would I get inside there? Like, I had no idea. So I always thought maybe the radio, but, um, and Rick D's weekly top 40, I'd listen to him. (laughs) Yeah, that that. sounds fun. I want to do that. (laughs) I'd interview my friends on my little tape recorder. Yes, it wasn't until I was at high school and I got an opportunity to do some work experience at the local radio station that I thought, yeah, this is definitely me. Yeah, so I was just lucky to have that opportunity because otherwise I don't think I would have known where to go or what to do. Mm. It's quite funny that you got that show off, Jean, though, eh? Because, um, like, you... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you've always been this way, or if it's just something that's happened as you've got older and got less energy. But you're quite, um, you're quite, and not introverted, but quite happy just to stay at home. And according to my DNA, I'm an introvert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I am. But I think that's from. Um, well, as you get older, I don't know. I, I have become less. You less need to have, be the centre of attention. Maybe yeah. Like I did yeah. used to love being the centre of attention. I hate that now. I do hate it. I feel very uncomfortable being the centre of attention now. So, but as a kid and growing up, I guess, but that's just youth. I don't know. There's something in the, I think most young people like to be the centre of attention because you're trying to find your place in the world. So you kind of like, hey, 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 I'm over here, I'm over here. Um, now I've found my place in the world. I don't need the attention. I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And I do, and I am, I'm 49. I like, I'm sick of, I'm sick of it. Like, I don't need to impress anyone anymore. I can just be like, a little homebody and watch TV or uh, do jigsaw puzzles or whatever. But I'm happiest when I'm sleeping. Oh. I'm happiest when I'm just um, drinking wine with my friends or when I'm travelling. Um, I just don't like to exert too much energy nowadays. I get tired when I get home at 7 o'clock from talking all afternoon. The last thing I want to do is talk. <laughs> <laughs> so when did when did you realise you were good at right? You were good, good like, quite sort of straight away, weren't you? I, I remember I was... You, you, and, you and I started about the same time. Yeah. I was in Palmerston North, you were in New Plymouth, and I just felt like there was a buzz about you. 
Really? Like JJ, you were always going to be the next big thing. Um, that might have been my energy. I just was I was keen to do anything, try anything, put my nuts on the line. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess everyone was so... Back then, everyone was so kind of boring. On the radio, they would just read the liners. Which is, you know, coming up this weekend, we've got a great fair on at the local park. And coming up next is uh, moving pictures. What about me? And I always thought, oh, why don't people have a bit of fun? Why don't they say some fun things? And, you know, I don't know. I just had this energy, I think. I don't know if I was any good at first. Mm. I was terrible. Well, you were, no, you were up for awards immediately and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. Weird. I don't know. I thought about it the other day because I've been a, I've won a radio award nearly every year of my career. <laughs> I thought, far out. That's amazing. But I don't know. I, sometimes I think I'm just lucky. <laughs> Am I lucky? <laughs> Well, Did I work hard for it? I don't know. I remember. Oh, you do. You have. You've worked bloody hard for it. Um, I remember one of the first times I met you was at um, one of the New Zealand Radio Awards. Yeah. And we would have both been, <clears throat> I don't know, 18, 19, 20 maybe. And you won an award. And you were in the same category as um, one of my best friends, Robert oh, Scott. God. And Robert had been doing radio a long time. And you, you, you went up to him and you were something like, oh, my God, I can't believe I beat you. I beat you. You've been doing this for years and I've only just started and I beat you. And he was oh, he was heartbroken. Know, and oh, he's so sensitive and I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. And I was just being my funny, witty, annoying self. But I was young. But I still, I didn't. I could not believe I beat Robert Scott. I was like, oh, my God. I know, it came from a good place. It's like you weren't, you weren't shitting on him. but uh... He still hates me for that, even though we're, we're good friends. But he would still hold that against me for life. And I'm sorry, Robert. I didn't mean to be such a precocious young bitch. Yeah. So so that was at a, a station in um, New Plymouth that you started called Energy FM, which mm-hmm. is now one of the more FM stations. And then from there, you, you, you launched The Edge? Yes. Yeah, so Stephen Joyce, who used to be the Minister of Finance or whatever, or John Oh, Keyes, yeah, it was like John Key's right-hand man. Yeah. yeah. He, um, the one that had the dildo thrown in his face. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Joyce, he started Energy FM in New Plymouth as a summer radio station when he was at Massey University. Um, he and his mates, Jeremy Corbett. They, um, and a couple of others, that he was studying to be a zoologist or something, um, or a vet or whatever. He, they started the summer radio station at Massey University and it went off, so they started one in New Plymouth and it got a full-time licence and that's where Energy FM began. And he ended up buying uh, The Rock in Hamilton and this other station called The Buzzard, which was not doing very well and it was a pretty shit station. And so he's, he started, he turned The Buzzard into a new station, a cool hip youth station, and called it The Edge. And he asked me to um, do the drive show on there afternoons. And so, sorry, I'm burping because I'm... <laughs> You're very relaxed. So, um, Would you do this on the air on More FM? No. Why do it on my podcast? Sorry. I forgot where I was. Um, yeah, so anyway, I started at The Edge from the beginning in 1994. And I was there for 23 years. Right. And then I realised I was too old for The Edge now. <laughs> what, were, what were those days like, the early days? So it's like a nationwide station now and it's hard to oh. imagine... It's hard to imagine a New Zealand radio landscape without the edge. But it was just like a one-off station in Hamilton. Then it started popping up in other cities, yeah. right? Yeah, so it was in Hamilton only for about maybe two or three years. I can't remember. And then it started like broadcasting to Tauranga and then Hawke's Bay and, and um, 
somewhere else. And then it just, it's it was so popular that it just, they decided to keep putting it in other cities until it became nationwide. But the edge was like... What made it so, so popular? Because ZDM was already going at the time. ZDM yeah. had been around forever. And I suppose like they're similar stations. They're both playing the same music, top 40 music. So what, what, what made The Edge so different? Well, actually, ZDM did not start till around the same time as The Edge okay. because the, ZDM was called The Breeze in Hamilton. So The Breeze in Hamilton was, sounds not, does not sound like The Breeze now. It sounded like ZDM because I worked on there for about four months. This sounds like an April Fool's Day stunt where you switch formats. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it was so the breeze the- was like a top forty station. Yeah, right. right. And then, and then they <laughs> they they turned it into ZDM. They got new owners or whatever, and they called it ZDM. So ZDM started around the same time as uh, the Edge, um, but it was top forty. But they were just you know the top forty music and all and radio wacky radio contests. The Edge was different because we did stuff no one had done before and people were afraid to do and we did things that were outside the box to try and get attention to try and get the ratings up and it worked obviously so what the edge was really innovative because the things we started doing were working so well that all the other radio stations particularly ZM started copying and doing their own versions of so before you knew it they were doing the same stuff as us, and the Edge yeah. and ZDM were starting to sound the same, and that's because they knew we were onto a good thing, so they wanted to get a get a piece of that. And um, yeah, that's that's a that's the hard thing about, I suppose, not just radio but any industry. Like, um, if you're the innovator and it's successful, other people are always going to copy, and you have to keep re-innovating and keep coming up with something new, don't you? Yeah. Oh my um, god! Did I? Oh yeah, I had something to eat before, and it's on my face. No, it's not. You didn't notice it. No. Um, <laughs> Dougie, don't edit that bit out. That's funny. Um, Was it really obvious, Dougie? Uh, yes, yeah, so I think it was in these early days of the Edge that um, I was still at a station in Palmerston North and. You, the Edge was just a Hamilton station, and you you were doing what's known now as Married at First Sight, like yeah. twenty some twenty five years later. Um, but this was at the time like groundbreaking radio. It was called Two Strangers in a Wedding. Yeah, the TV. The TV station actually came to us, TV3, uh, was it John Aiken? Someone came to us to ask us how we did it so they could turn it into the TV show. Yes, we, we, we actually weren't the first to do Two Strangers in a Wedding. I saw that a radio station in um, Denmark or somewhere had done something kind of like it. And so I said to my boss, Leon, oh, my God, we should, we should marry Two Strangers. And that's sort of where it all sort of started, and we and he was on board with it because Leon, Leon Rat, who was the boss at the Edge for years, and now he's sort of like the boss of radio in our company. He was he was so um, open to anything, and and he was so supportive and um, creative, and he was he was on board with yeah, let's do it, let's do this, and he'd have crazy ideas about how to put a twist on it. And we did a lot of things that we shouldn't have done, uh, and we got in trouble for, and uh, things that we should have got in trouble for. In today's <laughs> landscape, whoa, 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 you'd be cancelled. Um, but at the time, it was like innovative, innovative stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, marrying the two strangers was so successful, and we did it four times. And still today, over 20 years later, all four couples are together with their kids still. 
and I just put there's there's a lot of there was a lot of research and hard work gone into making sure they were actual matches and not just drama for TV. Oh yeah, whenever I, whenever I go on podcasts and that gets brought up, so I, I wasn't there for the first one. Uh, I was still in Palmer's North then, but I was there for the um, the the three that came after that. And yeah. I, I say to anybody that asks, um, the success of all those couples entirely came down to you and the work that you put into it because you 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 like. Every single time we did it, it was the same thing. Um, like these people would apply, um, then their, their parents would be outraged by it or mortified because this isn't the future they saw, saw for their son or their daughter. And you would sit down with the families and lock them in and say, trust me, I'm, I'm not going to stitch up your son yeah. or your daughter. I'm going to find them um, their soulmate. Leon, who you were talking about before, or other people would say, oh, let's throw in a twist, let's do this. And you'd be like, no, fuck off. You know, it's real people we're dealing with here. Leon um, did get his way. Uh, in the third one, he made it two grooms, and the bride had to choose between two grooms. That's right, three strangers at a wedding. You're two grooms standing at the at the altar, <laughs> and the bride had to wander down the aisle and turn left or right. Before seeing their faces. <laughs> That's, I wasn't That's really, savage. Yeah, I wasn't on board with that, but I had control over making sure the matches were going to be okay. Um, and then the fourth one, oh, I think Leon just wanted it to not work out because... Um, that other three had, but I still didn't want to fuck with those people's lives. And also, I feel like it's better if they if they do succeed. I see what Leon's saying. He wants the drama like on TV, but you can have a bit of the drama as long as you still want, you know, you still got to think these are real people here that you're dealing with. And, um, you know, I wouldn't want to, I, I, I always care about the people first and foremost. Yeah, I think that's commendable, and it's um that's like part of the success of those couples being together. Mm. I maintain that, and you, you did so much work on those things. A lot of it was unnecessary, like the the astrological stuff. Oh, bullshit! And, um, <laughs> I know that some people think making sure astrolo- their star signs are compatible. Astrology is wacky, but no, you definitely have to go with a compatible star sign. I no, regardless of what you think about astrology, there is something in that in mm. the in the compatibility. You're an Aquarius, I'm an Aries. Yeah, we're we destined well to together. fail. Destined to fail. We haven't failed, you loser. <laughs> um, so, do <laughs> you want to talk? Friends. Do you, yeah, absolutely. The best friends. Um. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare insurance plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Did you want to talk, I don't know how much or in how little detail you want to talk about this, but um, in those early days of The Edge, um, you had a co-host called Brian Reed, who uh, I worked with in Palmerston North. Um, I was on the breakfast show. He was the overnight guy. Um, crazy, unusual dude. I remember going around to his flat one day and had had a motorbike accident on the way home, and he had like a, um, a like a 
a massive cut in his jeans and a massive gash. And I was like, bro, you, you, we should go to the hospital. You need stitches. And he's like, oh, no, I have some Panadol and I'll sleep it off. And then next thing you know, he's working with you in, in Hamilton and he got the nickname uh, But Ugly Bob. Mm-hmm. He, Terrible nickname. Well, he had a bung eye as well. He was a real funny. Yeah, one. like a wandering eye. Yeah, yeah but ugly Bob. So he um, he was but ugly Bob. Oh my gosh, he's part. He's died now. He passed away. Um, took his own life, unfortunately. But um, he he would be a massive star if he was alive today. That guy is a creative genius. He really is. He was and. Um, but anyway, at the time, he the Miss Waikato contest was on. Now, this is in the late 90s, okay? There's no diversity and shit like that back then. There's Miss Waikato. It's a beauty pageant for women. He wanted to enter the Miss Waikato contest. <laughs> and he managed to secure – he managed to get in there. He managed to convince the organisers to let him enter the Miss Waikato contest. And he said if he did not win, he would rename himself But Ugly Bob. And, of course, he did not win. (laughs) (laughs) The writing was on the wall. He won Miss Personality or Miss Congeniality or some shit. And um, so from then he started calling himself But Ugly Bob. And that name just really caught on with people. And people would meet him and they'd go, oh, you're not that ugly. You know. Mm. Um, So that was kind of good for him. But he was was a very funny, creative guy, yeah. Yeah. So, no, no, I mean, no one listening to this would – well, there might be a few people that were in Hamilton at the time that would remember him. But um, this is pre-internet – pre any social media, so there's no sort of footprint of him online. So um, what, what happened in the end? So you worked with him on a Friday morning? Yeah, you no, did the so show. We, we, um, we ha- so this was, I think it was about 1998, Yeah, I think it was. Um, I'd worked with him for a couple of years, and we were supposed to do a promotion on a Saturday where we were supposed to go to some, I don't know, McDonald's or somewhere and ugh, hand out stickers or whatever. I don't know. We had a promotion, and... Um, he didn't show up, and it was getting to about 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, and I was just so annoyed because I thought, where the hell is he? Like, I'm having to do all this by myself, and oh, I was just really pissed off because I'd seen him the night before, and we were at the pub, and he was like, he'd been drinking a lot, and he was like, I love you, I fucking love you, and he was just going around saying I love you to everybody, and I just thought, oh, he's so drunk, he's got a hangover, and he hasn't showed up, and I was so annoyed. Anyway, did the promo, went home, and about four o'clock that afternoon, the police came to my door, and they were like, um, I thought, oh, what's my brother done again? <laughs> and they said, oh, um, can we come in? And I was like, uh, okay. And they said, do you know Brian Reed?" And I was like, yeah, and I thought, oh, no, he's had a car accident because he had a left-hand drive BMW and he's, like, bung-eye. So whenever I was in the car with him, and it had a crack in the windscreen. So I was like, oh, my God, he's had a car accident because whenever he would overtake a car, I'd freak out. He was a terrible driver. I thought, oh, no, he's had a car accident. And they said, he's dead. And I I just thought, what? No, what the hell? That's so. F- that's not true. That's weird. And they told me what happened to him and that he'd taken his own life. Oh my god. Yeah, it was just. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Like, he, I'd seen him the night before and he was so happy and 
He was really happy the night before, actually. I think that was him. He knew he was going to do it. He was saying goodbye to people, I think, maybe, because he was really, like... At peace with his decision. Yeah, and he was really all over me, like, I fucking love you, mate. You're the best, you know, like... And I'm just like, whoa, you were so drunk. <laughs> so there were there, there, there were no there were no signs. I mean, you were doing a show with him, like in the in the weeks before well, that. Was he was he like you know showing any signs of um yeah mental health issues or depression? Well, he did suffer from bipolar, but um he was he was depressed because his girlfriend had broken up with him, and he really was not having a good week. You know, he he wasn't coping very well with that, but. I think that's, I think that's what um, pushed him over the edge. Yeah, it's just so sad. I don't know. So yeah. I, I, I'm annoyed that he never talked to me about it. Like, I had no, I would never have suspected he was that upset about it, or and that he was ever, that he would ever take his own life. Like, I never thought that would happen. Uh, so when when it does happen, and anyone would know this who's had someone kill themselves, you, you you blame yourself in some way. You think, what could I have done to stop this from happening? Or did I do something to make this happen? You think that too. Um, and the problem is you're never going to get the answer to that. And that's annoying and it makes it really hard to deal with and hard to get over. Yeah. Yeah, so I think about Bob still to this day. Often, like so much. It used to be every day. It's not every day now, but it's a lot. And I think about him and I think, <laughs> you know, uh, what would he be doing now and what would he have said or done or, you know. Do you like how often? Like, like weekly, monthly? Probably every couple of weeks now. Really? Yeah. But up until only a couple of years ago, it was nearly every day. Yeah, I think about him a lot. I think that's it. That's, um, I mean, I mean, when when you're gone, you're gone. I think I, 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 I'm I'm an atheist. I don't think there's any afterlife or anything. But I think that's uh, if there was some sort of an afterlife, um, that's all you could hope for. Eh? That that people that you left behind still think about you from oh, time to time. Yeah. I think that's the biggest compliment. There's going to be a time when no one's thinking about you at all. I'm doing my my DNA on ancestry, and I'm going back to my great grandparents <laughs> and before that. Who's remembering any of those people? Yeah, they're just names on a page. Yeah, and if you don't are. know the person, you have no feeling or no real no. connection to and it. There's people going around cemeteries and they take photos of the graves and upload them so you can mm. find the grave of your dead descendant. Mm. But it's like no one's visiting that grave anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's quite sad, isn't it, when you think of it like that? Yeah, it is. It is quite morbid. So I think that's, then, that's actually, where you've got to make the most of the life while you're here. Yeah, but then I've Googled a few of the people in my ancestry. And they've come up, like, one guy was the inventor of some bloody way to cure horses, illness or whatever, and another guy was a, um, represented us in the Commonwealth Games for high jump. So when you read about them, you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> good, so, good for you, great-great-granddad Gary. Yeah, so isn't it great to, like, actually have a, have an, have a footprint, though? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Bob died before the internet, so... Yeah. Oh, well, we'll still be on the internet for years to come. What um, yeah, JJ's current obsession is, uh, you touched upon this earlier, Ancestry.com. Like, you spend every spare minute on this thing. Well, because <laughs> you will never get it finished. It's, yeah. it's like, it's so time-consuming, mm. and it's just fascinating. But the reason why I'm doing it is I want to find out, because my biological father, who had sex with my mum when she was 15 at a party, and then that was it, and I never saw, never found out who he was till about 11 years ago, he... He's had four, one, two, three, four, four of us, four, four one night stand kids. Okay, he's got two others that he had in a marriage. I just met in the last three years. I've met two sisters who have just discovered him. 
One's in England. She did her DNA and found out she's that <laughs> my dad is her dad. Jeepers. Another one just last year did not even know her father wasn't her father, and he didn't know either. Her mum had kept it a secret their whole life, and she did a DNA test just for fun, and came up that my dad is her dad. And she's like, there's a mistake here. She had no idea, so that's really torn her apart. And then I've got this other brother, Ramon. So I want to make sure there's no other siblings out there. Oh, my God. (laughs) And that's why I'm obsessed with DNA. I need to know where did I come from and who else am I related to? Because this guy at my work who did the day show on More FM, he sent me a message going, oh, my God, I've just done my DNA and you have come up as a cousin. I'm like, oh my god, I'm related to a guy at work. How many other people are I related to that I know already? Yeah, but if you go far enough back, aren't you related to everyone? Well, if you go all the way back to Adam and Eve. But um, you, you have an issue. It's like, like we we were we were still married and living together when um, you tracked down your biological dad. Yeah, and I think I remember being a bit cautionary at the time saying oh be careful what you wish for you're opening pandora's box or whatever now all of a sudden you've got a whole other family of like adults that you'd never met that you're going to their christmases and birthdays and an extra 30 presents to buy every year but you what did why um why was that curiosity there did it just feel like there was like a missing link in your life Mm. my whole life i felt like i knew that i knew that my mum told me when i was six that my dad my fanny dad wasn't my dad and she told this me is to, Gary. Yeah, yeah. She told me to keep it a secret. And also when I'm six, I went through a lot when I was six years old. <laughs> um, mm. So I kept it a secret. I never told my siblings. I didn't want them to be upset. But my whole life I just felt like I need to know who this person is because I didn't look like my siblings. I needed to know who do I look like. Uh, where do I get this sense of humour from? Where do I get this from? Where do I get the fat genes from? <laughs> because my siblings are so skinny and so my mum. <laughs> anyway, so I wanted, I needed to know just where, where did I belong? That's it. I just wanted to meet him and that was all. But then once I met him, you know, I find out he's got all these other kids. He's got a sister and I've got cousins and all this here in Auckland. So... I, it's been it's been good meeting them because I get some questions answered, but you know now I've met them I've sort of got a you know they're in my life now. It's just time management I find I struggle with. Like I don't mind having the family. I just don't have time to hang out with them as much as I would like. Me because to. you can't hang out with family and work on your family tree at the same time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And what about radio? You still like radio? Um, I do like radio. You've been doing it a long time now, like 30-something years? Yes, I'm finding it, well, having worked at the edge where we could get away with anything, mm. it's a bit more restrictive now because the, the landscape has changed. People are so politically correct. There's nobody, you're supposed to, in radio, you're, you're supposed to be hired for having a strong opinion. Nobody wants to hear your opinion anymore because if people don't agree with your opinion, they instantly hate you. So I just find that so bizarre. And it's like everyone has a microphone now because everyone has a platform to say what they feel like saying. So it's like in the old days, it was like, I'm the one with the microphone. (laughs) Everyone else has got a microphone. So it's like, it's just, there's so much noise. So, it's hard to, I don't know, radio's kind of simplified again. It's simplified. It's just basic, light entertainment with music. Non-offensive. Yeah, because when we were yeah. 
when we were at the um, the edge, and it was in the, uh, I suppose the, it's it's funny because um, when we did a show with Mike Perdue, the uh, JJ Mike and Dom show, um, when when you when you're in a golden patch, you don't necessarily realise it's a golden patch, but then you look back and you go, fuck, that was. That was the peak, yeah. but you don't realise it's the peak when you when you're there. But back then, we were encouraged to poke the beer. Mm. Where there was a sort of a mentality that um, if, if people are complaining, it's good. They're talking about it. But now mm. with social media, if people complain, they're like, "Well, I'm going to listen to the next ad break, see who's advertising on the station, and let these advertisers know." So the thing now is to basically not get, is basically be under the radar, right? Not get any attention at all. You can't wind people up because. People who are wound up, they're mean, they're nasty, they're vindictive. Mm. It's like if you are anyone who said anything negative on social media to anyone personally or about anyone or done as, gone as far as contact an advertiser, you're a piece of shit, actually. <laughs> you are. Look, take a fucking look at yourself. You are a piece of shit. Just calm down, yeah, stick to yeah. your lane. And just because you're offended doesn't mean it's offensive. Yeah, That's the thing yeah. that pisses me off so much. People can be so offended by something, even on behalf of someone else. It's like, it's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> I love that you've still got these strong so, opinions. Me, I, 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 oh, I'm going to be head cancelled for having it. I just, yeah, I just, I, I just want to get through life simply these days and not offend oh, anyone. And, I just get annoyed. It's like, shut yeah. up! Why does everyone have to try and ruin everyone else's day? Mm. Just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! Just ha- lighten up and have some fun in life. And if you don't mm. like something, then you don't like it. Just ignore it. Mm. If I don't like something, I'm not fucking. If I don't like what Hillary Barry's wearing on TV, I'm not writing in about it. Yeah, like, who yeah, cares? That's a good point. I'll be like, okay, whatever, Hillary. Maybe that's not for you, but perhaps you'll wear something better tomorrow. Mm. Like, I'm not. The pers- if you're the person that writes in about that, you fucking you need a life. Mm. I, so I, that pisses me off. I've got a theory. Theory about it. I reckon it's because um, everyone everyone fucks up in their own life, and everyone's yeah. everyone's dealing with um, their own shit. Everyone's dealing with some guilt, with some shame, or some regret, yeah. or some remorse about something. That's something I've learned from this podcast. So by diverting the attention away from yourself and pointing at someone else that's <laughs> fucking up, it just gives you a sense of relief for a second, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. It's just stupid. I don't know. Um, and how's your mental health these days? Are you still on the um, you still on antidepressants? Yes, I am. Yeah, on so you'll be on them for life, you Probably, think? Probably, yeah. yeah. But I'm not on a big dose or anything. Yeah. I'm pretty good at the moment. The last time I was really depressed was um, when I was assaulted by the taxi driver. I went through a very, very, very hard time then, um, especially when people don't believe you, which is fucked up, which is another reason why I don't want to talk about my mum's ex-boyfriend mm, molesting me, because yeah. people think you're a liar, which is fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, I went through a really bad patch after that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was rough. I, um, I, I went to court with you, and I, I, I was nervous about um, just having to um, testify, and it was only a couple of questions, but this was your whole life revolving around this, and it's like um, the defence lawyer, who's like just doing her job by the definition of the law, she basically accused you of being an attention seeker and making it up to try and win me back or something, and when, when, when oh, okay, don't laugh, but when, when you know you, it's like, JJ's the most like honest and trustworthy person you could ever meet. Like my nickname when we were together was Rules because you, you know you you were just an absolute stickler for the rules. So you, you're never going to make anything up. Like it's just not in your DNA. I'm not a liar. So to be accused of that, yeah, I'm not a liar. Yeah. And I would never ever do anything to hurt someone. That yeah, I just don't hurt people. 
why would I do that? Innocent people. That's just not me. But anyway, uh, the system is the system. But anywho, I was depressed. But that is the last time. I'm try- I try really hard now to just um, avoid situations that I know can trigger me. Mm. So, like what are they? Well, just... Getting into taxis? No, I'm only joking. <laughs> no, I don't I still take taxis. Um, I think I try and keep people who stress me out at arm's length. Yeah. And that includes some family members. Uh, I try not to get caught up in the dramas. Um, just there's a few things that set me off, but I just try really hard to just keep everything around me even and peaceful and if things start getting really stressed like sometimes it's work i got to sort it out because I don't want to be depressed again but if I stop taking my meds I'll get depressed but they keep me like I hardly cry that's how good they are <laughs> so, it suppre- me, so it sort of suppresses some of your emotions it just makes it hard yeah. for me to get too emotional it keeps me level it's really hard to explain yeah, because we were we were still living together and working together when you had um, one of your worst breakdowns, and um, Mike Pidu and I, uh, you you disappeared to to go to the bathroom, and uh, the song finished, and we started a voice break, and you went there, and then we played another song, and you still weren't there, so we sent some of the girls out looking for you, and you were you know like um in one of the toilet cubicles, just bawling, you, like you just snapped at that moment. Mm. What was that about? Was that one of the um, was that one of the failed IVF rounds? Was that around that time? I don't time? know. It was the biggest mental breakdown I had was then when I had a whole month where I literally couldn't get out of bed. I mm. was so depressed. It was, yeah, I've never it, seen anything like that. There was a snapping point, and it was it was around the time of um, failed IVF, and my nephew that we had in our care was hard to handle, and you know, we you, you're getting up at four in the morning, you're just constantly tired and there's people always wanting a piece of you and I'd sort of seen an email asking me to be somewhere for something and I just couldn't deal with it anymore. I don't know, it was so weird. Mm. It was like some, something as simple as that. It just broke me. I just thought, I can't cope with any of this and I lost it. Um, and I honestly thought about checking into a mental hospital. That's how bad it was. I just, but I didn't want my name to be in the news for doing so. Yeah. Oh, so fucking weird. Um, yeah, that was rough. And but I, I look back upon that time now, and I feel um, bad that I didn't handle it maybe as well as what I should. And it came from a good, good place. But I, I was working through. And you're just like, as you said, staying in bed, and you were like bedridden for almost a month. And I'd, I'd come home, I'd open the blinds. Come on, the sunshine's out. Let's get out on the deck, get some vitamin D on your face. We'll go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry about that. Okay, okay, I've got more of a, I don't know, an empathy streak now or more of an understanding about um, your yeah, mental unwellness now. But at the time, it came from a good place, but I handled it completely the wrong way, and I feel bad about that. You did think that depression was a choice and that you could snap out of it. And that was one thing that made it really hard for me as well because – like you trying to bully me into exercise. <laughs> I was like, no, but I can't just smile and you can't just tell me a joke mm. and I'm going to feel better. It, but it was hard to explain that to you. You know what depression feels like now, I'm sure. I think you've had it. And I think until you've had it, or you, you, you really can't understand what it is. It must be easy to think, oh, surely you can snap out of it. And that's that's the attitude you had, which was very hard for me because I felt like I was a real burden 
because you didn't understand and that I was really bringing the party down, which is the reason why I wanted to move out for a while, was because I didn't want you to see me like that and I didn't want to be bringing you down. Yeah, depression is it's fucked, actually. It's destructive. It's really hard and so many of us are going through it. Mm. But I'm just happy that I'm at a place now where uh, I feel good about things. I feel okay. I can I can manage everything, and I don't want to go back to that place again. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm trying really hard to just keep in control of everything in my life. Because when things get out of control and I can't control it, I think that's when I spiral. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. We went through a lot of stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. Like the um, fertility stuff was massive. I know. Massive. That was huge for you, Dom, because. <clears throat> I know more than anything you wanted to be a dad. Like, for me, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> I know. I feel so I, bad about that now. No, but I really wanted it at the time. I did really want it at the time. And it was devastating when it didn't work mm. out each time. But for you, I felt more for you. Because as your wife, I wanted to give you that. I wanted you to have that. Uh, but it didn't work out, so I'm really sorry. Oh, no. I See, I, I feel so guilty about that now. Because we... Um, I can't even remember how many... I need to reread your Ten book. Ten years. Misconception by JJ. A true story of life, love, and infertility. You can't get that book. You can only buy an e-book yeah, now. Right. It's but, hard to find. But I've, um, I've sort of, like, I suppose, like, compartmentalised and, like, shut that box in my brain somewhere. Mm. So I can't even remember what we, how many rounds we went through. Five rounds of IVF. Yep. And four rounds of donor sperm. Right. And then... Um, and that was pretty much, I feel like I was the catalyst for that. And um, after each fail. Right, you had a tumour. Yeah, no, no. Okay, so it was a yeah, male, male infertility issue. So, I mean, that was, that was not my fault. But it's um, each sort of failed round, you'd, you'd cry and you'd want to mope for a couple of days and I'd sort of be like, all right, come on. All right, what's next? <laughs> Onwards and upwards. And in the end, um, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, Dr. Richard Fisher, who's um, like New Zealand's top embryologist, he basically sat us down, and this is paraphrasing, and basically said, it's not going to happen for you guys. Mm. Give it up. <laughs> and I wasn't ready to give it up at that stage. And we had um, um, a, a very good friend of mine uh, who uh, was a sperm donor. And um, he's he's married with his own kids, and I I asked him to do it. You know, it was a very meticulous decision, and he agreed. And he had to, him and his wife had to go through counselling sessions, and then um, go through the, I don't know, I suppose reasonably sort of humiliating. Humiliating? I don't know if that's a word. Um, you you know, know, procedure you of like donating sperm. Yeah, and then, when you go into a room and have to jack off. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It it's awful, embarrassing, it? but it's a big thing that he he did for us. But by then, um, even though. Uh, getting pregnant through donor sperm is easier than IVF and IC, IC, ICSI, ICSI, whatever that stands for. Um, by then, you'd sort of checked out. I was ready to keep going. but And I look back now and I feel terrible about that because I didn't have to do any of the work. You Stop, were doing You need to let the... go of your guilt, Dom. <laughs> you do. It's fine. This shit happens. Yeah. It does. And I'm sorry because it feels... <laughs> it feels... Yeah, you you don't have to feel responsible because you're not responsible. Mm, yeah, and things don't always go our way in life, and everyone has that where, you know, we're faced with things that don't go our way, and we just have to f pick up and move on. Yeah, oh no, that is one thing I've learned from doing this podcast. Um, I had 
bloody Susie Cato on a while ago, and um, she went through shit. She had like um, two miscarriages and then was made redundant from TV3 at the same time, and it just goes to show, um, yeah, shit happens to everyone, and shit happens to good people. It does. But anyway, yeah, I do I do feel bad about that because I look back now and I'm I think I'm um more evolved now and more empathetic now and, and um you know, yeah. I should have handled things differently. <laughs> In the second half of your life now that you're fifteen. Yeah, yeah. You're a better man. Yeah. Um well, and- look, I I don't think I don't hold any grudges against you. Mm-hmm. At all. Like we, we split up on good terms, you know, with the spark had disappeared. And I still love you, like, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're my best mate. Oh, same. Uh, I feel like I was a ter- terrible husband <laughs> at the no, time. I, I was just so zoned in on work. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't even have to answer that. That's me making a statement. It's not fishing for compliments. You were a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> <I mean, laughs> anyway. you don't, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we need to discuss that here. How much um, do you want to talk about um, the, uh, um, the uh, adoption not, at all or not really? Um, oh, of my nephew. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about it. I just please, I don't actually. Okay, so, well. It was bad time. Well, can, I, can I just like touch upon this? No, no, not really. So JJ's brother, who you, you mentioned earlier, the one that's um, in and out of incarceration, uh, he had a son and uh, he was like four years and 11 months old and um, his his dad, your brother, uh, had to go, go back to jail. So it was either basically everyone in the family had turned their back on on your brother. So this kid, four years and 11 months old, was either going to go to a, like a, a, a SIFS home at the time um, or – we had this massive house. We had spare bedrooms and we couldn't have our own kids. So it seemed like an absolute no-brainer to me. So we, we took him in. And I just want to give you like flowers right now for doing um, such a good job with him. <laughs> so I'm getting emotional talking about it. Um, you did a better job than I did. No, I, listen, I know that ended badly, but you, you did so much for that kid. Yeah. And he's... Um, He's he's a man now. Like he's what is he? Eighteen, nineteen? He's twenty. Oh, twenty years old. Shit. Um, yeah, we we're still in touch. He messages, DMs me on Instagram from time to time if he's asking for money. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but he has started writing nice comments on posts. Oh, so that's good. people people say to me all the time, "Oh, one day he's going to come back and thank you guys," but it's that's not the reason you do it. Um, and it did end up sour. Um, but you did a phenomenal job, and and that kid doesn't know how how lucky he is. I mean, you, I remember you doing parenting classes. Oh, no, you I and I had to go to... parenting. <laughs> JJ had ring binders of notes. <laughs> and it was all very... I don't know. It's probably all good stuff. Well-meaning stuff. But you, you and I, we ended up having like um, therapy on his behalf because he was too young to have therapy. And every week we'd be driving to these you know, um, um, government-funded therapy. And I'd be like, why the fuck am I going to therapy? Like, <laughs> he's the one that's fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was a pain in the ass. But, yeah, um, yeah you deserve so much cr- praise and credit. I think from, not from your own family or from me, but from uh, him as well and society in general because I've got absolutely no doubt that, um, that, 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 that man's life would be completely different now had it not been for you and the work that you did. And you. Yeah. And you. Anyway, I, I'm 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 heartbroken, traumatized at the way things ended with him. We're not going to talk about that, but yeah, it's hard to talk about when there's someone else involved, isn't there? Mm. 
Yeah. Is that the reason you don't like talking about it? It upsets me a lot when I think about him because I feel like I feel like I failed. Uh, yeah, I wanted to change him into tournament. He come from a bad place, and I wanted to turn that around. But there's the nature versus nurture thing, and unfortunately, you know, he already was pre-programmed, and there wasn't much we could do but just look after him. And I feel like yeah. I failed not being able to help him turn into a better person. Yeah, we, we learned so much over that time. Uh, what's the stat? Something like 80% of a, a human's brain development done on the first 1,000 days, which is like three years. So by four years and 11 months old when he came to live with us, um, the damage had already been, been done. Yeah, but seen some bad things. But I, not, from just, not from my brother. It was yeah. his mum mainly because my brother was in prison most of that time. But then, you know, anyway, let's mm. not talk about it. <laughs> anyway, surely it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> no, we're just getting started. What? No, it's not, it's not been an hour now. It's been an hour and eight minutes. Okay, well, people are bored. Okay. They tuned out eight minutes ago. Where to next? What else do we need to touch upon? Um, you've cried more in this session than I, you have in the whole eighteen years we were together. Mm. I, yeah, I've become. You know what? You know what? I've, I've like had time um, to pause and reflect on things, and I, I think. Um, for, for me, it was almost a strategy to avoid dealing with any emotions, just to keep busy and keep moving forward. And then you realize this, this is not a way to, that I can live the rest of my life. Like, it's not good. So you need to sort of unpack things and think about things and yeah. address things. It's okay to talk about your feelings, Dom. Mm. It's okay to tell people when you're hurting. It's okay to show emotion. It is. But I think for me, I always got sort of um, like validation from being – a person that had the answers or, you know, was a reliable and dependable person, not being the person that needed help. But you are all those things and it's okay <laughs> to need help. We all need help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, hu- this is the thing about we're all human and nobody is, nobody's got it right. No one's 100% happy. Mm. No one's life is perfect, even if it does look, someone, look like it on Instagram. We all have shit to deal with. We all have shit going on. You're upset because you care. And that's a good thing. You care. No, I don't like seeing you upset. <laughs> that's why That's why I never cried in all those years together. I no. just thought you were heartless. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's actually it's actually not, not sad tears. It's probably happy tears in a way. In a, in a way, if that makes sense. Because it's like, um, I look back now, you were just so good to me. And you still are. I've made an effort to add more value to your life where I can. That's why if you mention you've got to-do list and going to Bunnings is on there, I'll offer to go there for you. Or I'll always ask you if you want a coffee when I come around. I'm just trying to add value to your life. Every day Don comes around with the dog and coffee, and he brings coffee for my boyfriend. He's so sweet. And, you know, it was cool. We went on holiday at Christmas to Bali with your girlfriend, Ash. And that's the best thing about... Like, we have this relationship which people don't understand, except for the people that know us. Your girlfriend and my boyfriend are both totally fine with it. And that just goes to show uh, how, well, they obviously understand the relationship mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not threatened by it. And um, it's so good because I love your girlfriend. She's so fun. And, you know, I love the relationship that you have and I loved hanging out with you you guys. And it's cool that you accept my boyfriend too. And 
Yeah, he's I'm, great. I mean, he's, it just says a lot, I think, about um, the type of people we have in our life. And the type of people we are, yeah, and the type of people you attract as well, because it's definitely, they they have to put up with a certain amount of scrutiny, I guess, from yeah. their friends and family oh, yeah. my boyfriend, asking questions. My boyfriend doesn't like being in the public eye, but after the first year, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I couldn't put him on Instagram or anything, and now he's embracing it. We're on Women's <laughs> Day next week. <laughs> He's um, like, I, he just had to suck it up in the end. I said, yeah. this is it, mate. If you're going to be with me, you have to deal with this shit. And he's yeah. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that um, trip to Bali at the start of the year, the um, the more I think about that, it's, I say to people, it, 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 was a, it was a recipe for disaster. Like, it could yeah. have been disastrous. Like, we're in Bali. <laughs> you know, there, we were, there, there was drinking every other night. Yeah. Like, it was, yeah, it, could, it, it could have been a volatile situation, but it wasn't. Everything was great. Well, I knew it was going to be fine. Everything was great. Actually, um, Ash, my girlfriend, she's been like pushing for this podcast for ages. Is she? She's like, you and JJ need to do a podcast together. She goes, she goes, fuck all the runners you have on. Like, people want to hear you and JJ. I don't think so, but anyway, has she seen you cry yet? I don't know if she has. I don't think so. Oh well, there you go, Ash. <laughs> How are she you? Got a heart. <laughs> I don't cry very often. I think, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. All right. Well. And wrapping. Are you um, wrapping it up? Yes, I'd like to wrap it yeah. up. I feel like everyone's bored now. Okay. Um, well, uh, are you okay now? Yeah, no, okay? no, I'm, I'm good. It's, this has been more emotional than what I expected. I'm always going to be here for you, Dom. Yeah. I'll always support you. Um, All right. Like, oh, don't. You're going to make me start again. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. No, no, no. Um, but I, I, people ask me um, often, yeah, do you want to do radio again? Or would you do radio again? And I say, it, w- it would have to be... Like the right team, and I would jump at the chance to work with you again, or do some sort of work with you again. You're wow. the easiest person to work with, and I'd like to think um, I'd be better now than what I was. A bit more perspective, yeah. take things less seriously. Uh, you're, you, you, yeah, you're, you are by far um, the best person I've worked with. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I look back now, and it's like. Um, when, when we were working with Mike Perdue, yeah. like he must have been like just so awkward sitting there while having, having arguments. Like, yes, I'll tell you what, where it's at. <laughs> we had some Ella, Ella yeah. arguments. Yeah. We based Wednesday. Then we'd be in the car on the drive home and it wasn't even brought up. No, we it was only just... ever fought at work. So it was like, Dom, stop being an asshole. <laughs> I'm not being an asshole. This is a great This bit. is how we should do it. I'm right, you're wrong. That was pretty much it. Yeah. We got, look, Mike just knew. Mike's easy. Mike Perot, he's just like, yeah, 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 I'll just go along with it. Yeah. <laughs> he knew he wasn't, he wasn't allowed to have a say anyway while he worked with you. <laughs> anyway, hey, this has been fabulous today. Anything you want to end with? Anything you want to close with? Anything you want to bring um, up? Look, if you don't like running, it's because it's probably not in your DNA, okay? You can get a DNA test to see if you've got the uh, the sprinter gene <laughs> from Ancestry.com or MyHeritage. Look, no, I, um, I, ju- I just know that um, so, some exercise in your life would be so good for your mental health yeah. and your physical health. It'll make you feel better. Sex sometimes. <laughs> oh, it's exhausting work. <laughs> anyway, stop Stop with the exercise bullying. Okay. 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 Um, no, but it's like I'd, I'd, I'd be lost without you. I, I, I can't have you dying before me. I need you here. <laughs> you are so crazy. <laughs> You're still my emergency contact. Yeah, when, okay. when, when things happen, like um, the printer in the corner of this room, oh, God. If, 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 if that needs a cartridge replaced, who do I call? Yeah, exactly. Me. So I yeah. need you around for a while, yeah. It's all right. I'll do your admin for you. And I'll organise your tradies and I'll fix your things. <laughs> oh, we'll still get our dog together. Oh, you're the best. All right. Well, I think you've done an amazing job on your podcast. I'm actually really proud of you. 
I know it's been hard work, but I think it's paying off. Like, people are, you know, really into it. All right. Hey, JJ Feeney, thank you so much for coming over and being a guest on Runners Only with Dom Harvey, your husband, legally. (laughs) (laughs) Should we talk about that divorce at some point? (laughs) Thanks so much for making it all the way through that episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey and JJ Feeney. Uh, there was a lot of uh, very deep, a lot of very personal, and a lot of triggering stuff that may have come up in that episode. So if you need some professional help in New Zealand, you can call or text 1737 free of charge to talk to a trained counsellor. Uh, that number again for a free call or text, 1737. If you've got any feedback about this podcast, you can get hold of me anytime, domharveynz at gmail.com or on the socials, domharveynz. I always love hearing from you guys and I love getting your feedback and guest suggestions and anything in between. Thanks so much to Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode. Check them out, radix.co.nz, that's R-A-D-I-X. And adding to their popular protein ranges, they've just launched a new range of breakfasts which are incredible. Strawberry, banana, coconut, vanilla, mixed berry, apple and cinnamon, chocolate. These are super simple and super healthy. They're filling and did I mention they taste insane as well? You can pour it in a bowl, or if you're a savage like me, just pour the cold water from the tap straight into the bag and consume it that way. Yeah, that's right. Cold water from the tap straight into the bag, and you've got a delicious, healthy, and nutritious breakfast. That website again, radix.co.nz, R-A-D-I-X. Even if you don't feel like buying anything at the moment, check out their website, have a nosy around, and check out this Waikato-based company that is taking on the world. They're doing remarkable things, and it's wonderful to have them along as a sponsor to this podcast. All right, thanks very much for listening, and I do hope to see you next week on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.